Okay, so before we start the third chapter, we're holding by Paragimel, the third parak. But before we start, let, let's talk and do a synopsis and just see what's going on so far until now. Because chapter three really, really is a direct continuation of chapter two. This is all cumulative stuff. They all build on each other. And so to really understand and perceive what's going on in chapter 3, to really understand what he's saying, we have to make sure we get a handle on what was said until now. So let's review. So first of all, in chapter 1, we had the teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, on the Pasuk in Tehillim, La'oylam Hashem Hanitzav Forever, O God, your word stands firm in the heavens. We learned from the Baal Shem Tov, who brought a Pasuk in Tehillim, to say that Hashem is continuously bringing existence every single moment, something from uh, something from nothing. And the Alter Rebbe clarified that even though the Pesach in Tehillim is only talking about the heaven, the firmament, but really it means everything that exists, the words of Hashem, the breath of Hashem's mouth, the Dvar Hashem, the speech of God, is what's bringing everything into existence, not just the heavens, but even physical inanimate matter, which is what the Arizal also means, that the inanimate things even have souls. Everything has a soul. Everything has its being, meaning it's godly light that's bringing into existence every moment. Then in chapter 2, the Alter Rebbe explained that logically. Logically, he explained that the reason that, that ha- this has to be done is because since it's Yesh Ma'ayin, it's something from nothing, Something that you just changed the previous material, you just revealed something that the nature that something had, that you do once and then the person could go, you know, the, the vessel could last forever, will last by itself and, and that's it. But when you're doing something, you're doing an act for which there's no previous potential, how long will that act continue going for as long as you're doing it? As long as you're continuously making that act continue, just like we brought, the Rebbe Rashab gave the example of the throwing of the rock, that the rock doesn't have, because of atmospheric conditions presently ruling on earth, the rock doesn't have an ability to fly. So when you throw a rock upwards, you're causing something new to happen that there was no previous potential for. And... And uh, the Alter Rebbe then said, and they brought the proof from Kriyas Yamsuf, from the splitting of the Red Sea, which was a proof more for those that do believe in God, that we see that Hashem does things, do, do, do things in such a way sometimes. And that was, and then we finished off chapter 2 by the idea of Atamachayas Kulam, that you, God, vitalize everything. That you, Hashem, the Aleph base, the letters of Aleph to Tov, and the you, you allow yourself to become contracted. Va'ato mechayas kulam. You, Hashem, it's not that you're sending vitality from some up above in the wild blue yonder, but va'ato, you, Mamish, are what's vitalizing everything. You're enclosed in everything to give it vitality, and not just vitality, but its very being. Right? That's what we basically had until now. Now the Alter Rebbe is going to say in chapter 3, and he's going to go and say something very deep. And it really, the, he just really dedicates one sentence to it, but it's a very deep thing, and we have to really understand what he's saying over here. But let's, let's just, let, let, let's, let's read the sentence inside, and then we'll explain it outside. Says the Alter Rebbe, Now following these words and truth, Meaning, following these words in truth that we just learned in chapter 2, right? 
After what I just told you in chapter 2, concerning the nature of the creation, the fact that creation has to be being brought into existence every moment. And before I even read further, I want to just remind you that I've told you from the beginning that don't make the mistake to think that the Alter Rebbe is not just coming to tell you about creation. That creation has to be renewed every moment. The Alter Rebbe is not just coming to give you a fact about how often creation is happening. That's not what he's. That's not what he's. He's coming to tell something much deeper, and that's what now he's going to do in chapter three. After this words and this truth, every intelligent person will understand clearly that each creature and being is actually considered not an absolute nothingness. In Hebrew, ayin ve'efes. Every creature, every, every single thing that exists is considered not an absolute nothingness in relation to the activating force and the breath of his mouth which is in the created thing, continuously calling it into existence and bringing it from absolute non-being into being. That was the sentence. He just said something extremely deep, and it's very not apparent what the Alter Rebbe means to be saying. It's based on the other Mamarm and other places that we understand what the Alter Rebbe is saying, but what's he, what's, he, what's he adding over here? Let's read it again. Now, following these words and truth after what we learned in chapter 2 concerning the nature of creation, that creation is continuous, every intelligent person will now understand clearly that each creature and being is actually considered not an absolute nothing in relation to the activating force and breath of his mouth, which is in the created thing, continuously calling it into existence and bringing it from absolute non-being into being. What's he saying over here? What he's saying is the truth of Einod Movadoy at the level of Yehuda Tata. What he's saying is that once you understand the idea of the continuous creation... Once you understand what we learned in chapter 2, now we could go a step deeper and understand how really only Hashem exists, that all of existence is really just Hashem's light. Why? Because once you understand the idea of continuous creation, now you understand how everything is Ein Ve'efes, how everything is not, vis-a-vis the strength of Hashem that's bringing into existence. Let me explain. Let me explain what I mean. Let's go back for a second to the throwing of the rock, okay? You throw the rock upwards. And we learned that how long will the rock fly upwards? Only as long as your strength is pushing it upwards, right? So, is there ever such a thing actually called the flying of the rock? Is there an actual entity called the rock flying? Like, has the rock become a bird? Has the rock gotten the ability to fly? Obviously not. What is the flying of the rock? That that the rock is actually going upwards. What is that? The The rock being thrown. Right, but what what is making the rock being thrown? What is making the rock fly upwards? You. You. Your strength, right? Your strength is what's making the rock fly upwards. So if you think for a second a little deeper, 
There is no such thing as flying of the rock. I mean, there is. But it's just your strength manifesting as flying of the rock. The flying of the rock is absolute nothingness vis-a-vis your strength. That's pushing it. There never becomes flying of the rock. It's just your strength that makes it the rock flying upwards. So, so too with the altar of saying, now that we understand what we've learned in the first two, cha- uh, two chapters of Shara Yichud, we now understand, so if a tree, what's a tree? A tree is the speech of God, the light of God, continuously making the tree come into existence. Right? Flying of the rock, the nimshal, what that's coming to represent is the existence of other things. So what's a tree? A tree is Hashem's power making the tree come into existence every single moment. Right? But if we think about it, so therefore what is the tree? Nothing other than Hashem's light. In other words, chapter 2 of Shari Yichud tells you that there has to be a continuous force continuously making something come into existence. Chapter 3, this sentence, he just says, After you know that, now you know that there really is nothing other than the the strength of God bringing things into existence. There is no tree, per se. Just like there's no flying of the rock. I, the rock, is flying, but the rock flying is your strength. It's nothing other than your strength making it fly. And so too, what's created existence? Nothing other than the light of Hashem bringing into existence. Let's give another parable for a second, okay? Let's go back to the walking of the puppet. We said that a puppet, a puppet only will, how long will a puppet walk for? As long as your strength is making it walk. That's chapter 2. That's chapter 2 of Perak Beis of Shari Yichud. is saying that it has to constantly, the puppet has no potential to walk. The puppet has no potential to move. So chapter 2 says, how long will the puppet be moving for? Only as long as your strength is making it move. That's chapter 2. Chapter 3 then says, Now that you know that, that the puppet will only move as long as your strength is making it move. So is there ever such a thing as called the moving of the puppet? Not really. It's just your strength. There is no moving of the puppet as an entity that's something other than your strength. It's just your koach making the puppet move. There is nothing else. And so too, chapter 3 is now saying, once you understand, let's read the sentence again, following these words and truth concerning the nature of creation. That creation has to be being brought into existence every moment. Every intelligent person will understand clearly that each creature and being, everything that exists, every particular thing that exists, is actually considered naught and absolute nothingness in relation to the activating force in the breath of his mouth. Every created thing is like naught. It's like it, as if it doesn't exist. Like the walking of the puppet. There is no, really, if you go deeper, if you think more intelligently, if you think deeper, there is no such thing as walking of the puppet. 
There's your strength manifesting as the walking of the puppet. And so therefore, so too when it comes to Hashem's light, since Hashem's light is every moment bringing every particular thing into existence, there is nothing other than Hashem's light. But you have to you have to understand that since we understand explained in chapter two Yeshma'ain, that there's no previous potential and therefore Hashem is continuously doing it every single moment. Chapter three then says, take a step back and says, Okay, that means there is nothing other than Hashem's strength, make Hashem's light, making everything come into existence. Let's give one more example, one more muscle. One more example to make it more clear. Let's say you have an actor playing Hamlet. You have an actor playing Hamlet. Chapter 2 of Shara Yuchut says like this, Does Hamlet exist? Only as long as Laurence Olivier is walking around with his tights. Only as long as the actor is, is playing Hamlet, then there's a Hamlet. Right? If, let's say, the actor's, you know, he's walking around saying a soliloquy, soliloquy to be or not to be, and all of a sudden the actor's like, you know, I'm really hungry, I want lunch. Hamlet disappears. A minute ago, Hamlet was being presented. Hamlet was walking around and saying his soliloquies and being melancholy and doing everything that Hamlet does. So chapter 2, chapter 2 said to you, how long will Hamlet exist? Only as long as the actor is playing Hamlet. Only as long as the actor is in the role of Hamlet. That's how long Hamlet's going to exist. But chapter 3 then says to you, does Hamlet really exist even when the actor is playing Hamlet? Chapter 2 is saying, what happens if he stops? If he stops, he won't exist. But chapter 3 says to you, okay, but what about when he is playing the role of Hamlet? What about when he is playing that role of Hamlet? What is Hamlet really? It's just the actor. It's just the actor manifesting as Hamlet, playing the role of Hamlet. And so too, the Alter Rebbe says the same thing when it comes to Hashem's light. That's Yehuda Tata. That's the lower level unity. Hashem's light is bringing things into existence. That's chapter 2. And as soon as the, the Hashem's light would stop bringing to existence, it would stop existing. Chapter 3 then says to you, now you can understand how the world is ayin ve'efes. The world is absolute nothingness vis-a-vis Hashem's light. Is that clear? Yeah, Yishai. Right. But that ends up me. The next step, though, is that if um, I'm just a, a figment of everyone's imagination, really, I'm just... Um, someone who looks like Kishai being played by God. So I'm just another, another, you know, God-like figure. Correct. That happens to look like me right now. Correct. But if you take off the veil, it's really just God. Correct. But, and now the altar is going to ask, but how come, so how come we don't feel that? Right. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to be, that's exactly how he's going to continue. But what you said is a hundred percent true. Hashem is allowing his light right now to play the role of Yishai. And he, like we mentioned yesterday with the horse, he lets you have free choice to get to schlep his light wherever he wants. But it is literally Hashem's light manifesting as you now. Why can't I just say that I'm God then? 
You could say your godliness, because I exist. Hashem's light is manifesting as me. It's not, remember we spoke about it. it's not Hashem's essence. It's Hashem's speech. It's Hashem's contracted light. But it's it's still connected to the same thing. It's still yes, God. it is. That's correct. That's right. That's why deep down we all are connected and one with each other and with everything in the universe. That is a hundred percent true. Deep down, we all are Hashem manifesting as everything that exists. That is 100% the case. That's the ultimate Achdus Hashem. That's the truth of Hashem's unity. Only Hashem exists. And the, and the fact... And, so we'll talk in a second why we don't feel it. That's what he's going to go on and, and Mamash, that's what he's going to continue talking about right now. But let's just make sure we get clear that that's the, that is exactly the Vart that he's saying. If in chapter 2 you got clear that right now Hashem is bringing you into existence, chapter 3 then says, then you're nothing other than Hashem's light. You're nothing other than the speech of Hashem manifesting as you. So then, then what's the part of you that's doing a sin? And that's Hashem's light masking Hashem's own light? Yeah, that's you taking Hashem's light. He actually, if you know, he in chapter 24 of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, I don't know if you guys have the book with you, but that's exactly what he says in, in the end of chapter 24 of Tanya. I'll read it to you. If you have the book, you could look at it. But if you don't have the book, I'll just read it to you. He says, uh, when he talks about what happens when you do a sin, it is comp- comparable by way of example to one who seizes the king's head, drags it down and dips his face in a toilet full of filth. Then that, that then that, which there is no greater outrage, even if he does it for only a moment. In other words, Enchanami, Hashem is allowing us, that's the concept of Golos HaShechina, He's allowing us to take his light wherever we want. But that's not the same thing. What do you mean? Like, before you're saying that you're a, you're a manifestation of the king, so it's the king taking the king's head and putting it into no, the but, dirt. So, but that's what I said yesterday, that from the idea of, let me, let me repeat what I said yesterday, from the idea that what Hashem likens us to, to horses and Pharaoh's chariot, Free choice. And we get swept along. I understand that. He but if allows you're it. To... That all there is is manifestations of Hashem's light. Then that doesn't. It's not the same thing as a horse being able to schlep Hashem. So, but but Cause... we don't feel that that Hashem sees that we don't feel that truth of what we are, as we're about to learn now. So we do a free choice because that's what we are. But that doesn't mean that that's what we feel. We don't feel ourselves as being that. And so the whole purpose of creation is that Hashem makes, and we're going to learn about now, that even though it's all His light, but we don't feel that. Let's read inside. Let's see inside. Let's consider... Let's, but I want to just make sure, is these two steps of chapters 2 and 3 clear? The idea how you get from chapter 2 to chapter 3? Once you understand that something has to always be being brought into existence, then you understand it's nothing other than that. So the Alter Rebbe says, but, but did, I, did, did I answer the question? The, the free choice comes into play because we don't feel what we really are. But our Aveda, our service of Hashem, meditating on Shema Yisrael, meditating on Hashem's unity, is to come to feel that. Is to come to feel that. Says the Alter Rebbe, the reason that all things created and activated appear to us as existing 
So why do things ex- why do things appear that they do self exist as if they exist by themselves? Right. In other words, the Altarb is now bothered by a question, which is exactly what you're all asking. I think if we're nothing other than God's light manifesting, God's light manifesting as reality every moment, why don't we see that? What are we then? Why do we feel ourselves as sub sub self existing creatures that are able to do whatever we want with Hashem's light? That's exactly his question. Yeah? He says, the reason that all things created and activated appear to us as existing and tangible, why are we able to exist and as if there is something, as if there are other things that are existing and tangible, if we're learning that it's just Hashem's light manifesting, bringing into existence, and therefore it's like the actor playing Hamlet Hashem is what's making everything coming to being. So why do all things created and activating, why do they appear to us as existing and tangible by themselves? Says the Alter Rebbe, the reason is, is that we do not comprehend nor see with our physical eyes the power of God and the breath of His mouth which is in the created thing. The reason is that we don't have eyes, our fleshy eyes, our eyes of flesh don't see what we really are. We don't see the light of God that's bringing it into, that, that's what we are actually. We're not able to see that at all. We don't comprehend or see with our physical eyes the power of God and the breath of His mouth which is in the created thing. If, however... By the way, you should know, uh, just there's a famous story they say about, they say about the Magad rich and also about the Alter Rebbe. When he was on his deathbed, they say the Alter Rebbe, when he was on his deathbed, he looked up at the ceiling and he pointed to, to the ceiling and he said to his grandson, the Tzemach Tzedek, what do you see? And the Tzemach Tzedek said, I see the rafters. I see, you know, I see the roof. And the Alter Rebbe says, by this point, all I could see is the divine light. At this point, he wasn't able even to see the physical anymore. He could just see the divine light. He wasn't able to see the physical anymore. So that's a person that comes to the exact opposite, that they only, that, that they only see the divine light. They don't see the physical. But what the author is saying is that, that we feel that we, that we don't, we feel ourselves as existing is because we don't comprehend or see with our physical eyes the power of God and the breath of His mouth, which is in the created thing. We don't see that. If, however, the eye were permitted to see, if, however, if the eye were permitted to see and to comprehend the life force and spirituality, which is in every created thing that you should, you should know. I don't know if you have over here the footnote, footnote three over here. It says, in the time to come when Mashiach comes, however, even man's corporeal eyes will see godliness and the divine force in every created thing. So Mashiach comes, we will see that. So when the Altarbis says, If her eye was permitted to see the spirituality flowing from God's breath, we will be able to see it. When Mashiach comes, we will be able to see it. And there's also a verse from the Rebbe Marash, which he said that with enough meditation, one could see it with the mind's eye as well. With enough meditation, if you keep thinking about this enough, then when you look at the world, you see it differently. You don't see it with your fleshy eyes. But you see it with your mind's eye, as the mind's eye sees the world. 
If, however, the eye were permitted to see and to comprehend the life force and spirituality which is in every created thing, flowing into it from that which proceeds out of the mouth of God and His breath, if, let's say, we were able to see the divine light, we were able to see what everything really is, then the materiality, grossness, and tangibility of the creature would not be seen by our eyes at all. If we were able to see the divine light that's in everything, we wouldn't see the physicality of the different things that exist. We would just see the divine light. I'm waiting for somebody to ask a question, by the way, over here. Something over here doesn't make sense, which the Alter Reb himself is going to ask over here, but, but maybe so, something's bothering you. He's saying, we don't see the reason we don't see the truth is because our, our eyes are not able to see the divine light. That's why we see the physical that's why we see the grossness of the world. But if our eyes were granted, the, our eyes were able to see the truth of the life force and spirituality that's in every created thing, flowing it out into it, then the materiality, grossness, and tangibility of the creature would not be seen by our eyes at all. Then we wouldn't see the Gashmias. We only see the Gashmias because we don't see the Ruchnias. We only see the physicality because we don't see the spirituality. But if our eyes were granted the ability to see the Ruchnias, if our eyes were granted the ability to see the divine light that's in every created thing, then we wouldn't see. We wouldn't see the materiality, the physicality, the grossness of the, of, of the creature. We would not be seen by our eyes at all. Because it's completely nullified in relation to the life force and the spirituality which is within it. Since without the spirituality, it would be not an absolute nothingness exactly as before the six days of creation. Like we learned that it's the, the divine light that's bringing into existence, just like in the six days of creation, God's light is bringing into existence, so too now. So therefore, really everything is batal, everything is batel, that's the word. Every creature is batal, is nullified to the divine force that's bringing it into existence. And the fact that we see the world and we don't see the divine light, is it because our eyes are, we still have physical coarse eyes that can't see that truth. And therefore we only see the physical. But the truth is, it's completely nullified in relation to the life force within it, the spirituality within it, since without the spirituality it would be not an absolute nothingness, exactly as before the six days of creation. The spirituality, let's read further, the spirituality, the ruchnius, the godly light, which flows into it from that which proceeds out of the mouth of God and His breath, that alone continuously brings it forth from naught and nullity into being and gives it existence. Hence, there is truly nothing beside Him. Does anyone have a question on what we're learning over here? If the Al What's the Altar Rebbe saying over here? He's saying that we're not able to see the Ruchnius, we're not able to see the godly light because we have fleshy eyes, so we see the physical. We see the physical tree because I can't see God's light making the tree. But didn't we just get through saying that there, there is nothing other than God's light? What does that mean? Well, it's like seeing an actor but not seeing that there's a human being standing there. Th that doesn't make sense. Exactly. How could you see... How could you... If let's say you would have eyes that can't see a human being. Would you see Hamlet? 
I have we we uh, my eyes are not able to see the spirituality. So therefore, that's why we see the physical world. But that's exactly like saying, uh, my eyes can't see a human being, but I'll see Hamlet. There's no two separate things over here. Once you get through saying that it's literally one thing, that Hashem's light is bringing to existence, if let's say you, let's say I throw the rock upwards, and for some reason I, you weren't able to see my strength, you weren't able to see my strength propelling the rock forward, would you see the flying of the rock? There's not two separate things. Is that clear? Clear what, clear what I'm asking? So we're, that we're going to continue Mitzvah Shem tomorrow. We'll get to the answer. The Alter is going to begin explaining this better with giving an illustration of the light of the sun. Famously, this is one of the most famous pieces of Tanya where the Alter is going to explain this idea better using the parable of the light of the sun. But I want you to spend the night and spend the day thinking about this question. What am I looking at then? If everything is just the light of God and I can't see the light of God, then what is the physical that I'm looking at? What is it that I'm seeing then? And we'll continue tomorrow, Mitzvah Shem. We'll leave off with a cliffhanger. Any questions or comments or witticisms? No? But everyone understands the question, yeah? Okay, then Mitzvah will stop here and we'll continue tomorrow then. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone.